reading is from St. Paul's letter to the Colossians. Let us be attentive. Brethren, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, fornication, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. In these you once walked when you lived in them, but now put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and foul talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old nature with its practices, and have put on the new nature, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there cannot be Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free man. But Christ is all and is. Speak to you, the reader. The first said to him, I have bought a field, I go out to see it. I pray you have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I must go to examine them. I pray you have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported this to his master. Then the householder in anger said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city, and bring in the poor and maimed and blind and lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you have commanded has been done, and there is still room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges, and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited 
shall taste my banquet. For many are called, but few are chosen. Peace be to you who proclaim the gospel. Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. I'm sure that all of you, over your lifetime, have received an invitation to to attend some sort of event, whether it's a wedding, or a baptism, an office party, or a family gathering, something of that nature. I'm sure all of you have received an invitation. And, you know, when we receive invitations... We look at who it came from, what it's about, and then ultimately we'll look at the date and we look at the time. And at that point, we have to make a decision as to whether or not we can accept this or we have to decline it. And so what we typically do is we take that invitation and we go to our calendar, wherever that may be, and we look at the calendar and we see that day that's there and we see if there's something else that we may not already have scheduled. And as we look at as our calendar, uh, we may even have that date open. But maybe we'll look at the day before and the day after. Maybe we'll consult with someone in our family, our spouse, or maybe our kids. But we go through this process of deciding whether or not we are going to accept the invitation or whether we're going to decline the invitation. And there are a lot of things, I'm sure, that in your lifetime also you have had to decline though you would have liked to have been there. And maybe sometimes you've declined because you really didn't want to be there. But you didn't let those people know them. You just came up with an excuse. I can't come because I have a prior engagement. And that gets us off the hook pretty well. We don't even have to say what it is. And we can get away from those things. And it's usually no harm is done. And today, we read in this Gospel of Luke, and there's a parallel Gospel reading in the Gospel of Matthew, that talks about, uh, in Luke, that there was this great banquet. In Matthew, it's a king who's speaking, and he's talking about a, uh, a wedding that he's inviting people to for his son on that day. And as you go through those parallel Gospels, we begin to see, and in today's Gospel especially, that there were three declines right off the bat. And the first one said, you know, I've just bought a field. And I have to go look at the field. Now think about that for a moment. You're invited to this tremendous banquet, probably food that you normally don't eat on an everyday basis, and your excuse is you have to go and look at a field. I don't know what that is. I mean, maybe you stand on the corner and you kind of gaze at it and you look at the topography of it or whatever it may be, but it's, it's a pretty lame excuse when you think about it. The next one is, I just bought all these oxen and I need to tend to them. Now, I don't know about you, but I grew up with horses and cows and sheep and all sorts of farm animals. They don't need a lot of care. You basically give them some food and their water and they're good for the most part. They're not high maintenance animals. And I would venture to say, even though I never had an ox on our farm, they're probably pretty low maintenance. But the fact that that individual is going to also 
uh, declined the invitation to go to this wonderful banquet meal because he has to go tend to his ox, I think is also a pretty lame excuse. The third one, a man said, I just got married. And as Father Matthew pointed out to me this morning, he didn't say what he had to do. He just said, I got married. Is that enough? I don't need to give any reasons as to what we may be doing, where we may be going or anything, but perhaps it's their honeymoon, perhaps it's whatever. But either way, they say, I can't, we're not going to be able to come because I have something else that's a little more important. And so what happens is people begin to prioritize and they begin to weigh out the differences as to what's going to be a little bit more important to them. And in the instance of the gospel this morning, the owner or the king or the father who had invited people to come and they were all declining him, he got very upset. Because what he had to offer was something wonderful, something beautiful, and something very important. And yet people were finding some of the lamest excuses as to why they weren't going to come. This invitation our Lord sent out first as he says, we must go to the lost house of Israel. And to that he meant the Jews. And after he had gone to the lost house of Israel to offer them himself as the Messiah and was declined by the vast majority of them, only then did he say to his disciples, go therefore into all nations and make them disciples and baptize them. In other words, he wasn't going to stop at the initial list of invitees. He wanted everybody, eventually, to be a part of this great dinner. And so he said, go out into the highways, into the hedges, and wherever you can, invite people and see if there's anybody who will accept my invitation. And who will not give some excuse as to why they can't come. And tell them what I'm offering too, by the way. Don't just say, oh, we got this thing going on, and maybe you'd like to come. There'll be some other people. It should be a fun time. This is a great banquet, and you people have never tasted food like this. You've never been uh, cared for or shown such hospitality as you're going to see, and so please come. This invitation stands today for all of us. And while we can decline invitations to attend weddings and other sort of events and activities and really have no repercussions to them, this invitation that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is offering to all of us has eternal ramifications. And there will be no excuse in the end when we stand before our Lord. One of the fathers of the church rightly said, that baptism doesn't guarantee our entry into the kingdom of heaven. Our Lord said, not everyone who calls me Lord will enter into the kingdom of heaven. That's not how we respond to the invitation. Our response to the invitation, our acceptance of the invitation, is changing the way we live and putting Christ at the center and the forefront of our life that nothing else precedes our love or is greater than our love for him and our hearts can be attached to a lot of things and we can fall in love with a lot of things and a lot of people in this life but nothing should ever 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 usurp the love that we have to give to God which is primary this invitation as as I said stands and it is something that we must accept 
day after day after day. It'd be wonderful if we could just check a couple boxes, sign our name, put it in the mail, and send it off to the kingdom of heaven. And saying, I accept. It's not that easy. It's not as simple as a, as a written reply or a verbal reply. Our acceptance of what Christ is offering us is something that we must show our Lord each and every day of our life. And I want to share with you some words from Bishop Nikolai Vilomerovich on this because he really drives the point home. He said, God desires that we believe in Him more than in anyone or anything else in the world. God desires that we hope in Him more than anyone or anything else in the world. And more than this, God desires that we, by our love, cleave only to Him. The soul's true spouse is Christ. Even when we love another, our soul's first love must be Jesus Christ, from whom comes the love that is required to love others. In fact, the first and greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And problems arise when we unite our soul to something or someone else instead of Christ. One church father reminds us that whatever it is with which the human soul links itself most closely, with that, it is in wedlock. Think about this analogy here for a moment. Whatever it is with which our soul links itself most closely, it is that which our soul is in wedlock. Whether with a living being or an inanimate object, with the body or with clothing, with silver or gold or any earthly possession, any sort of earthly glory or honor or passion for anything in the created world, jewelry, food, drink, dancing, music, nature, or anything in nature. Every such marriage by the human soul to any of those things is an unlawful marriage. For the soul's only true marriage is to her Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He goes on to say, The soul's ardent love for God is alone its legal and rightful marriage. This means that when we direct the love that belongs exclusively to God to something else less than God, we in essence commit adultery. For we have made an idol of that which we love more than God. Whatever we believe in, hope in, or love more than God takes God's place and becomes an idol to us. A false God to a false self. Because we cannot be truly human, truly who we were created to be, if we do not love God above everyone and everything else in this life. There is a sequence. First, to love the Lord our God, and then to love our neighbor as ourself. And in essence, we become one with that which we connect through love. If God, then God. If people or things, then people or things. But our heart cannot be divided. And one thing for sure, we will be lost or saved by that which we love most. And there is only one saving love, and that is the love for God. He says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all things will be added unto you. 
we must be aware of and cautious of the allurement of the things of this world. Especially now, I think we have a taste of that more than ever because it's Christmas time. And we're doing a lot of shopping. There are a lot of enticements out there. A lot of shimmering and glittery things that have the potential to lure our souls in their direction and to lead us away from the saving love of God. Remember, we have received an invitation. And this invitation is eternal life. To commune with Christ our Lord for all eternity. And where we place our hearts and what we attach ourselves to says a lot in terms of what we prioritize in our life as what is most important. So as we walk through these last weeks here of our preparation, not for Christmas and the tree and the gifts, but for the nativity and the incarnation of God who comes on that day to give himself, to unite his divine nature with our fallen nature, let us keep in mind that the greatest gift of all is the gift of Christ to the world. And this is an invitation for all of us to accept this gift and day after day after day respond to that with an affirmative yes, I give my life to you and I love you first and foremost above all things and above everybody else so that I may be united with you both here and in the world to come. Amen.